we are talking about uh, this month, building stronger relationships. Uh, I was thinking that this week, probably people think about, uh, it's one of the strongest weeks of the year, people thinking about relationships. I know they think about them other times, but people are, you know, Christian, not believe it doesn't matter all across, you know, people thinking about Valentine's and uh, trying to maybe do something to kind of help their relationship a little bit. Uh, thinking about that. You know, we live in a time where there are, there are no perfect relationships, um, whether you're talking about in the church or with kids or in marriage. Uh, you know, so our, our desire in this conversation that we're having uh, through this month is to think about how do we build stronger relationships. And so uh, we're thinking about foundation, meaning what is, the, what is a biblical view, a biblical view of family of a marriage relationship, of our friendships, our relationship with God. So we're uh, talking about all those topics um, and working together. And then so that's part of the message today. And then the last part of the message is uh, a focus on, in a practical way, uh, how, can we, how can we do that? So I hope you uh, got a little seatbelt on and we can go and uh, see what the Lord wants to say to us. The key verse of this scripture uh, and of this series is Nehemiah 4.14. Uh, I showed it to you last week. If it hasn't already blitzed you, I hope that it will. Um, the Nehemiah is talking to the people. Uh, things aren't perfect for them. Things are difficult. And he's giving them, God is giving them some direction through him. And he says this, uh, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. The them in that case is the things that are coming against them the struggles, the difficulty. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. That's what we just did, right? Uh, we're just thinking about him, remembering him, welcoming him into our circumstances. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Uh, so he's giving us this encouragement to remind us um, that, that we're, we're working at it. We're working hard. We're building something. We're making great effort. We're not giving up. We're trying hard. We're asking God for help because nobody has it easy. Every one of us, if we're going to have quality relationships, we have to work at them. We have to think about them. We have to be intentional about them. So um, the message today is not for your neighbor. The message is for all of us, including me. Now, Paul, when he's talking about uh, relationships, um, you know, we're talking today about marriage. And uh, I think it's a good word for all of us to hear, whatever our relationship, wherever we are, uh, because the culture is doing a terrible job of helping us understand marriage. I'll talk some more about that. Paul says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. A simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some, the gift of the married life, life to others. That's from the message. Uh, you know, basically what that verse says is that not everybody is supposed to be married. Uh, God says in his word that we, he's given different gifts to all kind of different people. And sometimes he gives the gift of marriage and sometimes he gives the gift of singleness. And we honor them both. Amen? 
Uh, we honor people in both of those uh, that, uh, as God has led them. Um, you know, that, that old trans the translation, the gift of celibacy, um, you know, that's recognizing a desire to, to be single, um, a recognition of a gift of singleness. Um, but, you know, if you, have, if you have a desire to be married, um, you know, th that desire to be married is a telltale sign that you don't have the gift of singleness. Uh, you know, you have that, that longing to be in a relationship. Um, if you say, well, I'd really rather be married someday. If I'd like to have a wife, if I'd like to have a husband, then you don't have the gift of singleness. The gift of singleness, you know, when God gives that to me, it means you're perfectly happy to live the rest of your life not married, not in that marriage relationship. That's the gift of singleness. So whether you've been married or you discovered um, uh, that you've uh, experienced divorce or separation or you're widowed or you're currently married, uh, God gives us the right perspective about marriage. So he's not just talking to married people in this next verse. He's talking to all of us. How do we deal with it across the board? And he says, uh, marriage should be honored by all. Marriage should be honored by all. That means everybody. So that includes all of us. So regardless of whether uh, I'm married or not, I'm to honor marriage. The Bible says for everyone to honor marriage. Sadly, marriage is no longer honored across the board in our society. You agree with that? Or just nod your head a little bit so you can make me feel like I'm on the right track here. It feels like exactly the opposite of that, doesn't it? Today, marriage is dismissed by many people as irrelevant. People say, who needs to get married? You know, that's something for another generation or another culture. It's kind of a man-made lifestyle choice. Really? It's dismissed by some. Uh, it's demeaned by some. Marriage is demeaned. They will say things like, you're getting married? Oh, your career's over. Marriage is delayed. People are delaying marriage more and more. Uh, there, there's a reason. There are good reasons to delay, but there are also uh, selfish reasons uh, for delay. Marriage is being redefined, being ridiculed, demeaned, denounced, discouraged, disrespected. We don't live in a culture where the common attitude is to honor marriage. Uh, even Christians uh, fall into that trap. You know, part of the problem is that uh, people don't know the basic foundation of marriage anymore. Um, you know, I think people in another generation probably knew it well. Now a lot of people think it's just one of many lifestyle choices that we can make. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's far more important than we realize in God's perspective. And so what I'm trying to do in this early part of the message is just to give you some foundation about that, why marriage matters, what God was up to. Uh, you know, a lot of people are you know, maybe incredibly unrealistic about their view of marriage. I mean, if you have a view of marriage that's going to be this perfect person, this idealistic, that's probably not going to happen for you either. So we're trying to find the truth in the midst of that. Um, you know, the reality is marriage won't solve all your problems. Uh, let me just get, make that right. There's a good likelihood that marriage won't solve any of your problems. A lot of times, marriage creates problems. I didn't have all these problems until I got married. That's wrong too, right? Marriage doesn't solve your problems. Uh, marriage really doesn't create your problems. Here's the deal. 
Marriage reveals your problems. Would you say that? Marriage reveals my problems. Ready? Marriage reveals my problems. Um, what does that mean? That means that if you're cranky, marriage is going to show, show it. If you're a perfectionist, your marriage is going to show it. If you're fear, fearful and insecure and you worry a lot, and your marriage is going to reveal it. If, if I'm bitter and I'm angry, controlling and manipulative, my marriage is going to reveal it. Marriage don't create problems. Marriage reveals problems. Uh, it shows up in, in marriage in a different than any other relationship. Um, so, you know, I, I, I got friends who, uh, who have been in maybe multiple relationships, multiple marriages, and they'll say things like, Pastor, I still don't understand it. I mean, I've been married multiple times, and my relationships are awful. What's the problem? You know, I don't always quite say it this way, but I always want to say, what's the common denominator here? You are. You are part of the problem uh, in, in these marriages. Uh, so we recognize that marriage is like a magnifier. It magnifies what is already there. Things that are easy to mask when you're by yourself. But when you're in a relationship, uh, it, it reveals these problems. So marriage, you know, your marriage is not intended to be a picnic uh, marriage and it will not balance all the harmonic convergence of the universe because you're in this loving relationship. But it does fit a God-designed function. It does have God-designed purpose. And so it's, uh, it's more valuable and more meaningful than, than we really realize. Uh, so I'm going to give you some reasons. I got six of them. I'm not really preaching a whole sermon on each one of these. I just want to give you uh, some perspective. What I'd like you to do is to be able to settle in your heart. How do you talk about marriage? You know, don't talk about it the same way the culture does. Think about it the way God thinks about it. So let's think about that. Uh, why marriage matters. God created it, first of all, for the connection of men and women. Um, there's a verse. I didn't put it on the outline for you here. First um, Corinthians 11, 11 says... In God's plan, men and women need each other. That's radical. You know that? That's pretty radical. A lot of people don't believe that. You know, why do I need a man? Why do I need a woman? Well, you do. And God designed you that way. He created you. Whether you're married or not, if you're a woman, you need men in your life. And if you're a man, you need women in your life. Because nobody, hear me now, nobody fully envelops the image of God on our own. The image of God is the men and the women together. God why, you know, God thought up gender. Uh, God thought up sex. God thought up marriage. He thought it all up. It was uh, his idea. It, was, it wasn't some kind of man-made construction. I mean, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2, the Bible says that God created Adam and he doesn't make Eve yet. Now, why did God make man and make woman a bit later? Why didn't he just make them both at the same time? Well, there had to be a reason. And I think the reason was for Adam's benefit. He wanted Adam to realize how much he needed that woman in his life, right? He had him name all the animals. And he's, uh, he says, it's not good for man. This is God talking. It's not good for man to be alone. That's Adam. I will make a companion who is right for him. Uh, I'll make a companion who is right for him. 
I will make a companion who is right for him. I mean, the first thing we have to realize about marriage is that gender and sexuality and men and women and all these differences are God intended. God intended marriage. One of his purposes is to overcome loneliness. He does, it's not good for man to be alone. He wants that companionship. Um, many companions are important in your life. You need a lot of different companions, different uh, kinds of people in your life, but there is nothing like the, uh, uh, an appropriate, meaningful marriage relationship. You guys that have been married, I mean, good marriage, there's not much better than that. Bad marriage, there's not much worse than that. I say that about the church too. There's not much better than good church. There's not much worse than bad church. It's this, it's this unity of what God uh, has created. Jesus talked about this. It's this uh, second verse there. It says, uh, Jesus said, God's plan has been seen from the beginning of creation when he made us male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one body. Now, since they are no longer two but one, no one should separate them, for God has joined them uh, together. This, that verse could have took up the whole sermon. It's telling us that marriage is God's plan. It's not a human plan. It's not a tradition that we throw out. It's a, it's a marriage that God, uh, a plan that he has created. It also says that marriage is between a man and a woman. There's a lot of different kind of relationships in this, in this world, but marriage is between a man and a woman. We fit together. He created it to be just that way. Another thing he says here is that marriage is to be permanent. What God joins together, God joins us together in marriage. No one should separate. It's intended to be permanent. It's meant uh, to be for life. Those are radical statements in our culture, aren't they? Things that are clearly God's idea and God's plan. That marriage is for a man and a woman. Marriage is to be permanent. Nobody believes that much anymore, at least from a cultural standpoint. But it's still the truth. It's still God's design for marriage. And we still live in the midst of... a. Of, of his design for us. You know, it's so easy for a man to decide, well, this is the way I'm going to carry out my marriage. This is how I'm going to behave. This is how I'm going to treat my wife and my kids. You know what? If you do it that way, who cares? Do it God's way. Live here. You know, that's, you know, we wouldn't have domestic violence, and we wouldn't have all this uh, interaction uh, against women that we see today. That wouldn't happen if we were following God's plan. You do it God's way, and it turns out right. You do it your own way, and it turns out a total mess. People end up in jail for that, right? You know, they say they got a different view of marriage, but they still lock people up for not doing it the right way. Um, we, we see here that, um, you know, it's so important. You know, I, um, I do lots of weddings. I, I don't know how many. I haven't kept up with that. You know, I, I, I told the Lord one time, I said, I don't want to be like the, the marriage guy. But it seems like I still do more, I, you know, hundreds and hundreds of weddings. You know, one of the things I think that's interesting is how some people um, like to write their own vows. You know, I'm not really, I'm not against that for sure. But I note it, I always read them ahead of time because a lot of times people leave God completely out when they write their own. Uh, you know, so I, I was going to tell you about this. I've um, been doing some counseling with this, this little couple. And uh, 
this girl has, I mean, she's, I don't know, she's probably 50. And she's never been married. As a matter of fact, she told me, I've never been to a wedding. So I thought, she said, so how do we do this? You know, we did all the counseling and all that. And now we're down getting ready for it. And uh, she said, well, how do you, you know, how do you do this? vows. And so the guy read this scripture and it was from Proverbs 31. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And I said, that's fantastic. That's not a vow. I mean, you're just reading the, you know, what God has to say about that. You got to say a vow. She said, what's a vow? And I said, well, I take you to be my husband. I promise to love you from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death we part according to God's design for our life together I pledge myself to you I love you she went that was beautiful did you make that up I said no I've been saying words like that for three decades isn't that adorable she said I said, you know, we do this and that. And I said, anything else you want to do in the ceremony? She says, what else would we do? I said, well, sometimes people, they have little candles on the side. You know, they got one for him and one for her, and they light these candles. And then, you know, they take the candle and they put them together, and they, they light this pillar in the middle and, uh, you know, describing how God takes these two individuals and puts them together as one. That's beautiful. Could we do that? <laughs> I love that. So, just so, I can't wait to marry them. It's so exciting. Um, you know, it's just our, our reminder to us that it's about, see, none of you are like that. You, you're all jaded already. You've been to so many, right? Right? But it just reminded me that this is about what, what God has in mind. So, the first thing is that it's for the connection between men and women. Second thing, marriage matters. God created it for the multi- multiplication of the human race, multiplication of the human race. It's how we all got here. I mean, you're sitting here and you're listening or you're watching online. I hope you are uh, today um, because some couple got together and made you. That was God's idea. God populated the planet through marriage, bringing couples together, uh, coming into existence. Men and women got married, and God says that's a part of the plan. Uh, The Bible says that God is love, and he brings us together uh, to express his character, his image. He brings us together uh, in love. He says, I want you to express love to each other. You know, if God didn't want you to be loved, he wouldn't have created you. He wanted a family. He wanted people that would turn toward him, and that he he would express love to us and our love back to him. Uh, God chose that to take place. Look at Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth uh, and govern it. Uh, so God's command for the human race was to get married and uh, to have children together. Uh, you know, it's is really the, probably the, the, the strongest command of God that the human race has really kept, <laughs> is uh, filling the planet. You know, there's 7 billion of us on the planet now uh, because parents and like your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents were fruitful and multiplied and filled the land and filled the world. That's why we're all here. Uh, I love Malachi 
2.15. It says, God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Godly children from your union. So guard the spirit of marriage uh, within you. Uh, That's quite a verse. Um, You know, this verse is not like an indictment on people that can't have children. Um, There are couples who want kids and for whatever reason uh, cannot or unable to have them. I mean, if you're married and you don't have kids, God is not disappointed in that. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying that we're all alive because some people fell in love and created us. Uh, I mean, if men and women weren't getting together, marrying and having uh, sexual relations together, there'd be nobody going to heaven because there would be no people. Uh, He's telling us he's multiplying the human race. Third, God created marriage for the protection of children. God invented marriage for the protection of children. We all know kids grow better, healthier, stronger when they grow up in a stable family, when they grow up with a mom and a dad. Uh, why did God create protection for children? Because, you know, when, when these babies are born, which I know really well because I got a one month, you know, I'm, I've been watching all that and hugging on her last weekend. And, uh, you know, that little kid can't do anything. She can't feed herself. She can't dress herself. She can't change her diaper. She can't blow her nose. I mean, she can't even turn over. I mean, she's, just, she's literally, totally helpless without her, her parents and those of us around her. I mean, God knew that children needed a safe environment, and he would need somebody to feed them, dress them, nurture them. Uh, you're going to need somebody to, um, you know, somebody had to protect you. Somebody had to guide you, train you. Um, you know, all, all the studies, I could give you just hundreds of them. All the studies say that, you know, when kids are in a difficult family environment, they just don't usually do as well. Now, I'm not talking about every case. I'm just talking about generally. You know, a lot of kids that don't do well in school or that end up in some kind of substance abuse, um, that de- experience some kind of depression or risk of suicide. You know, I talked to you last week about all that happens inside the family makes such a difference. In the, in, the same, in the life of that child. Uh, it's the same thing here. What is God saying? God is saying that if you do it God's way, it's always better than doing it your way. There's, God has a plan, a pattern for that. So it is it's so important. I mean, if you're going to have a baby, be a dad. Don't let the culture tell you that it, that it goes just as fine without it. It might occasionally, but most kids need a mom and a dad. Uh, They need protection. Uh, Children thrive in our families, uh, whereas they they end up sort of just surviving in other settings. Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. I mean, that's what every kid needs, right? Loved, refuge, security, uh, recognizing... uh, what needs that? That's why God created marriage for a connection between men and women, multiplication of the human race, protection of children. Number four, this is a big one. Number four, marriage, why marriage matters, God created it for the perfection of character. More specifically, the perfection of your own character. Uh, God created marriage to impact your character. No relationship in your life will have a greater impact on you as a person than your marriage to somebody else. I mean, it's one of the, one of the facts. Um, you know, when, 
you know, when you were born, you were completely selfish, totally self-centered. That's what babies are. Uh, a new baby doesn't have the capacity to really be thinking about somebody else. It's thinking about itself. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I have uh, I need to be changed. Uh, you know, that baby has no maturity and no real purpose in their life. They, but maturity and purpose uh, helps us to realize that God doesn't want us to live a selfish life for the rest of our life. He wants us to be unselfish, to give our life away, to be a servant, to be loving. So the whole goal of your life is to grow from your totally self-centered self as a baby and to grow up and be an unselfish, giving, loving adult. That's pretty good. That narrows it down, doesn't it? So that's, that's called maturity. So we are in this lavatory where we're changing and we're growing and we learn to love. So, so what do I do? Marriage is a lifelong course in learning to be unselfish. If you thought it was something else, I apologize for telling you that, but it's the truth. Once I got married, I can no longer think of me. I got to think about we. I got to think about other people, and then I start having these children. I got to think about them. I got to pay their way, and I got to do all this. I can't just do it on my own. Some of you would love to go back to that. Too bad. Because you don't get to do everything you want to do when you get married. You learn to compromise. You learn to think about other people. Listen, God wants to make you like Jesus. And that's that's his number one goal, for you to grow up, for you to grow in character. Um, I mean... You're, you know, you're not talking about just the car you want or your career or all. You're talking about character that God is trying to build. The number one tool that God uses in the life of people to build Christ-like character is to be married to the person you're married to. No laughter and joy in here right now. Because the reason is that every day you get opportunities to think about that other person, to care about them. You say... My spouse, my husband, my wife. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe some of you, they're not even Christians, but they're still having an impact on you. The number one purpose in marriage is not to make you happy. The number one purpose in marriage is to make you the person that God created you to be, to make you holy. Man, that's countercultural for sure, isn't it? Um, and I promise you this, you're not all hooping and hollering about it, but I'm telling you what, you will be happier in your marriage if you live it out God's way than doing it your own way. You will find great joy and fulfillment in who you are. Um, Romans 12. Romans 12 says, Love sincerely, hold on to what is good, be devoted to each other like a loving family, excel in, or honor one another above yourselves. Don't you want that? You know, I, 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 whew, I learned a lot being married. I have a great marriage. I have an incredible wife. I love her, uh, but but I look at myself. See, like um, I learned that when tensions rise up, I know that it's me, not you. I'm not, you know, just when tensions rise up, and they do all the time, right? So the t- the tensions coming, and so my tendency is to think, okay, I got to get my point across. Tensions are rising. I can feel it in me. I feel it in the house. I feel, and she came in right now, so that's terrible. But um, <laughs> tensions are rising, and so uh, what? What's my tendency? My tendency would have been, um, 
Let's get a little louder. Let's just say it a little. She's not quite hearing me. So I'm going to say it louder to make sure that she gets my point. I might say it with attitude. I realized in my marriage that I'm way better off when I feel that tension happening and I know it's rising up that instead of getting louder, why don't I just zip it for a minute? Why don't I take a moment and listen to what she's saying and have a calmer conversation? Do you know that things go so much better when I do that? I know it's shocking. We learn that in these relationships together. How do we deal with conflict? How do I, I'm learning. See, it's not about, it's not just about me getting along better with her. It's about the character of, of me, my attitude. You know, am I going to be, you know, I'm a big solution maker. I, can, I know what we need to do, you know. I'm just mimicking some of y'all. We learn that, don't we? Where else are you going to learn that? You know, your mama did her best. But, you know, in some ways, a lot of times we, we, we don't do everything mama wanted us to do. So we get in these relationships and then we got to work it out. We've got to figure it out. So um, love and action, putting it into action. Why does marriage matter? Well, we've got a couple more. The construction of society. For the construction of society, just simply, marriage is a fundamental building block of every community, every church, every state, every nation, every society, every culture. If you know anything about history, marriages are strong in cultures that are strong, nations that are strong. Whenever families and marriages are weak, cultures are in decline. It's one of the main reasons that our culture in the United States is declining. Could I get an amen? It's the truth. Because of all this turmoil with families, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 14:34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach uh, to many people. Uh, so it's, it's, it's clearly a reason that he created marriage. Last one, uh, number six. Uh, most important reason of all, according to the scripture, um, and maybe you never heard this before, but it's the primary, deepest, most profound reason that God created marriage between a man and a woman. God created marriage for the reflection of the union with Christ, for a reflection of the union with Christ. That means that marriage is a metaphor. It's a symbol. It's a walking, living object lesson of how much God loves you and how we are to be in relationship with him. Marriage is this model of a profound spiritual truth. Listen to Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her make, uh, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Paul says... I'm talking about marriage here. 
uh, husbands and wives, and he's using marriage as an expression of the spiritual union that God uh, that God has for us. So this is a profound meaning about the scripture. Uh, no other relationship on the earth, not any, not parent and child, no other relationship adequately illustrates the relationship of Christ uh, to us as his believers. It's a strong reason. So what I'm saying about all this stuff is that uh, what really matters to God, what really matters about marriage is that God said he invented it. We live in a culture that does not uh, really approve of it. It discourages it. It ridicules it. It redefines it. Uh, so it's amazing. Um, now, uh, we've been married for 35 years. Man, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, yeah, we worked that. Thank you for the applause because that's, I mean, we were working at it. You know, it's not, it's not our anniversary or anything like that, but um, we know deep inside. Um, some, some of you, um, you, you know, the world is such an interesting place because if you, I mean, you just pay attention, man, they can't believe it when they hear, we, we went to, we went to Disney, uh, our 33rd anniversary, you know, we planned this trip. We will have an anniversary every night, eight nights, and we're going to have our anniversary every day. Wore these buttons, they had it, all that. So we would, we just talked to people the whole week about uh, being married and how long we've been married. I'm telling you, every day, multiple times, people would say to us, we never met anybody that was married 33 years. Nobody in our family. You know, you're not talking to a, a church. See, in the, in the church, you got people, there'll be people in that next service that have been married 65 years. Um, there, you know, somebody being married 50 years is not unusual around this place. But out in the world, oh, it's a big deal. How long some of you have been married? How long have you been married? How many? 47 years. How long have you been married? 28 years. How long have you been married, Bill? 43 years. Oh, you're not that old. I'm sorry. How about right here? Bullard's right there. How many years? 50? 50 years this year. Isn't that fantastic? So good. We got any more like that? How long right here, Wilson's? 46 years coming out. How long have you guys been married? 41. It's awesome, isn't it? We're, we're around it all the time. But it's a reminder to us that we've been working at it. Uh, we've been working hard. It's not been, you know, I could have had a bunch of testimonies about that, but I, I realize that all of us are in the same, we're in the same place. So how do you build a stronger marriage? I've got to get with it here. Um, I'm thinking about different seasons of, of life. You know, how do you build a stronger marriage when life is busy? It's, it's one of our most common things. I think busyness is one of the number one destroyers of marriage. Busyness. We're so busy, we don't have time for each other. You don't have time to think. You don't have time to be together. You don't have, to have time to go out together. You don't have time for sex. You don't have, we, just take, we get so busy, we don't have time. Um, you know, we recognize that God wants us to do something about that. So what do you do when, when things are so busy? You know, we recognize that we got to make time for what's important in our life. We have to make time for each other. Uh, we make time for what's really important. Um, I encourage people all the time, go on a date. 
go on a date, do something together, uh, you know, have a date, have a day off, uh, go on a trip, go somewhere, do something. You know, people always say, well, we don't know what to do. We can't afford anything. Well, I'm not paying for it. You pay for it and you go do it. You figure it out and do something about spending time. Don't let busyness rob you of the kind of relationship that God wanted you to have. Um, you know, the, the encouragement of the Lord is for us to be together, to do, uh, to, to do things together, to have a loving relationship together. So what do you do when you're busy? Uh, you, you make time for that. Don't let everything just run together. Maybe you could have some ideas of your own that you could put on that line right there uh, to encourage you. What do you do when your life is, is busy? Don't let it take away the importance of your marriage and that relationship. How about this? When life and marriage is easy. Now, some of you are saying, when was that? Uh, you know, there are times that things are going along pretty smoothly. I just say, when things are going good, make sure you're investing in your marriage. Like, um, read a book, lo and behold. Uh, read a book on marriage. Go to Amazon.com, look up marriage, and you'll start seeing all kind of stuff. You can find all kind of Christian marriage. There's just tons of books. Uh, if you need help with that, just call me. I'll probably give you one. I got tons. Uh, so... Uh, I'm a reader. I'm a reader about marriage. Um, you know, go, go to some kind of conference. Hey, how's this? How about this? Uh, if you're doing really good, go get some counseling. What? You know what? We wait too long to get counseling. We wait till the thing is falling apart and everything's blown up and everybody's messed up. And then we go, why don't you go get some counseling while things are pretty good and make it even better so it gets better and better. Now, that's, that's counterculture for sure, right? Good idea, Pastor. I didn't hear you say that, but I'm, I'm sure you were thinking that. So. Do something to invest when, it, when it's going well. Uh, there's two more. You know, what do you do when life brings all these changes, all kinds of changes. Um, I'd say that's where we are. Everything, you know, things changing, you know, lost my dad, lost her dad, you know, trying to figure everything out. How do you take care of parents? You know, all these different things that are happening there. You know, you got to learn to deal with the emotions of change. Things aren't the same. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not think about an ideal, but the real. What's real? What's happening? Um, and, and don't use, I just want to add this in here, don't use incompatibility for an excuse. Um, you know, I hear people say that. Well, we're just incompatible. I have two words for that. Grow up. You're not compatible with anybody. Right? Oh, you might think you are, but you try to live with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, we... You know, we're not like perfectly compatible with anybody. You know what incompatibility is? Incompatibility is selfishness. Selfishness. I got to have my own way. I got I, I don't want to put up with this. Because realize that love is a choice, not simply a feeling. Love creates feelings. But recognizing that, that love is a choice uh, that I made. So what, what are you going to do when things are difficult, when things are hard? Um, you know, when recognizing that, that God wants to help us with that. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that Kim and I have a great marriage because we are great forgivers, <laughs> right? We are, we are two good forgivers because if it wasn't, it'd be so difficult. 
because I blow it. I make mistakes. I do things and I need to, I need to be forgiven. She does things and I need to be forgiving of her. And that's one of the ways we keep, uh, we keep working on that. Finally, what do you do when life is, is really just falling apart? When life is falling apart. Um, you know, if you're, if you're married for a long time, you probably have these times of loss or grief or hurt or bankruptcy or betrayal or whatever uh, might be happening that brings difficulties to you. Um, don't, don't let yourself be such a judge. You know, we, we never know the whole story. We have to really work hard together uh, to care about somebody else's feelings. I'm, I'm telling you, just think of, just make sure you're looking at that person as a human being that you love and not just an object that's in your way or causing you problems. Recognize that there, there are going to be difficulties. There are going to be crises uh, that are going to come. Uh, this is kind of my last thing. Um, just close the escape hatch before you get into the crisis. Just decide that you're going to hang in there. Uh, I, I'm going to have her come and just stand with me. Uh, don't be afraid uh, of marriage, uh, despite what all I said today, because I'm being realistic today, being real honest about it. Would you say that's true? I mean, I, I was really sweet about that little girl and her marriage coming up, but uh, most of the time it's just real. And we, gotta, we, we deal with whatever it is. But you've got to decide if you're going to, uh, what you're going to do about that. Are you going to stick it out? Are you going to hang in there? Are you going to work hard at it? Are you going to let the Lord help you to be the person? I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a better person because I live with you. I love her. She's made me better. Um, not always because I was cooperative about it. You know, God has to work on me. Um, and uh, I'm a good guy. I'm the same guy with her as I am with you. But, you know, our, if we're honest, that's where we all are, right? I mean, we all can be a, just a big pain sometimes in who we are. But my life with her is so much better than it would have been without her. Um, for her to put up with um, what I'm trying to do in my life and who I'm trying to be and moving around. You know, we walked in here, uh, we've been here just a little while, and, you know, I always used to worry about marrying her because I knew, you know, especially we got further in our relationship, I was going to be a pastor, and I really thought she was supposed to be like a band director. Um, and I thought, I don't think those two can work. You know, I was in the band, we were in the band and all that. And uh, she thought I was ridiculous saying stuff like that. But I'll never forget we walked in here and um, she had been doing music all this time. But, you know, we come here and she's directing this group of people over here and leading the worship. And uh, I just thought, thanks, Lord, for, for giving her, using her dreams and her talents. Um, at our, at our wedding, 35 years ago almost now, um, I wanted to sing. She did not want to sing at her wedding. I get that now. I didn't get that then, you know, so I created all this pressure on her. And so uh, some of the words were like, uh, Make us one, Father God. Make us one, that the world may know you gave your only Son. 
Fill us with the love you've given us to share and protect us from the evil everywhere. For you have promised that together we should be a reflection of your love and unity. Cleanse us from our old nature of sin, that the wisdom may be seen in us again. That's enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. We didn't even practice that. <laughs> she didn't even know I was going to do that. Work at it. Get married. If you don't have the gift of singleness, get married. But marry the right person. I mean, get, get yourself in the right spiritual place with God and marry somebody else that has that. It's not going to be perfect. It'll change your life. It'll be the best relationship could be outside of the one with Jesus. Jesus is first, then me and her. Let's stand up. I don't know where you are today. Um, maybe, maybe you just want to take the hand of somebody that you're standing by, that you love, that you're married to, and asking God to, to hear your prayer for your marriage relationship. Maybe things are tough, busy, messed up, you know, whatever. Um, we we want to pray about that. Um, maybe you're kind of doing this by yourself. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you're a widow. And we care about all that in our church. Uh, God has an intention for all of us. Let God help you to make it exactly what he needs it to be. Don't walk out of here without deciding in your heart, I'm going to do everything I can to do this God's way, to follow his way, to live the way that he wants me and us uh, to live. You know, I, I can't, I'm not her savior you know, we're just partners in, in this journey together. Uh, but God has it figured out. God knows what I need, what she needs, what you need, what your spouse needs, what you need in your future. God knows all that because we pray for that. Let's bow. Whew. Lord, um, this is an emotional issue for us. In some ways, it's frustrating to see what's happening in our society around us. And I pray that you would change that and that you bring back the right perspective, the godly perspective about marriage and relationships and sexuality and all the things that we hear about and deal with regularly. But when it really comes down to it, Lord, we're just praying for the people in this room right now. I pray for every person that is not yet but will one day be married. Lord, would you give a bunch of people in here 50-year marriages that not just time-based, but meaningful, lasting, transforming. We pray that for some of our kids that maybe aren't married yet or still trying to find their way. I know we still pray for hope and will and praying for who that spouse is going to be. And Lord, it's one of, it's one of the things that we, that we pray about just about every day. Thank you for that. Um, 
Lord, I pray for couples in this room that maybe are struggling. Maybe they are wondering if they can make it. Maybe they're just barely hanging on. Oh, God, help them. Give them in strength and encouragement. Help them to find others that will help them and support them and encourage them. I know, I'm sure there's a bunch of people in, kind of in the middle right here, Lord, that we're just kind of going through the motions. Maybe we're busy. and um, Lord, help us to make some decisions according to your guidance about how we can do better, how we can invest ourselves, how we can kind of get over ourselves sometimes, how we can lay aside our own self-will and try to think about God's will or maybe even these other people, this other person in my life. Lord, help us with that. And Lord, for those in this room that are such mentors to us that have great marriages, thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to witness that and to share that. Help us to have conversations like that. Help us to not just think that we got these number of years. Help those people to realize they have something to share. And Lord, I just thank you for Kim. And I thank you for 35 years. And that's a miracle. (laughs) And that's a blessing. And I rejoice in it today. And I pray that your spirit in this room would teach us how to build stronger relationships, including our marriage. In Jesus' name.